Thank you for the wonderful worship this morning. It's nice to be back in the pulpit, not in the church, because I've been here for how many years have we been here now? Almost 10 years. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. Amen, and thank you for the nice introduction, Rick. And, um, you know, um, you know, Rick's wife also works for Chosen People Ministries, too. You know, so his wife is my assistant, and my wife, Keener, is Rick's assistant. And I know, that's a reality TV series, isn't it? But it works out really, really good for both of us, you know? And I say all that, why? Because, you know, when you open up your Bible every morning or every afternoon or every evening and when you study the Bible, it really is a reality show. Because you know what I love about the scriptures? One, it's my family. You know, being Jewish, I get the opportunity to see exactly what my family was doing thousands of years ago. And that's an incredible feeling. And you're welcome to join in. And tune in every day. And man, you see a lot of ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And what I like about the scriptures, it doesn't cover over everything. It doesn't paint everything in a rosy picture. They are true stories that shape God's people. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. And we're going to be in chapter 8, so you can turn there. And I've named my message this morning, be careful what you ask for, you just may get it. And obviously it's 1 Samuel 8, 1 through 22 by Mitch Foreman. You know, there's lots of stories, fables, fairy tales, conveying the message, be careful what you wish for, you just may get it. I did a little research and found out that Aesop, Fables might have been the first to introduce this theme, and he did it with a fable called The Frogs Asking for a King. The frogs ask for a king, they get from their God a log, and they weren't happy with it. So he said, All right, I'll give you a different king. He sends them a stork, and the ultimate end of the story is that he eats all the frogs. Be careful what you ask for. Okay, remember the myth about King Midas and the Golden Touch. He wished for wealth and he was granted the gift that anything he touches turns to gold. And you would think, man, that would be fantastic, right? Except when he eats, his food and his drink all turn to gold. Nathaniel Hawthorne penned a version of this Midas story where his own beloved daughter turns to gold because of the thing that he had asked for. So be careful what you get. And then finally, in The Wizard of Oz. You all know the story of The Wizard of Oz? Right? Young Dorothy wishes she could escape all of her problems and go to a better place than Kansas somewhere over the rainbow. And we're going to find out a little bit more about Samuel and his family and the Jewish people. And also, I'm going to show you some of Dorothy. She asked for something and, you know, she got what she asked for. Now, in the Jewish tradition, we get a lot of our stories from the Talmud. Those are the old traditions 
And the commentary by years, and in Berechot 4 5, it warns us that you should not go overboard when you're asking. And in Judaism, when you ask for things, you're usually praying, especially to God. And they list as an example of somebody in this category who asked for something was Hannah. You remember Hannah? She started off in 1 Samuel, and what did she want? She wanted a child. And she told the Lord that if you grant me a child, I will not cut his hair with a razor. And in Judaism, that's kind of code is, I will give him to you as a Nazarite vow because her and Samuel's family were Levites. They were the priest. Well, Rabbi Levi in the Talmud points out that although in the end God grants Hannah a son, and they named him Samuel, who becomes one of the greatest figures in the history of the Jewish people, her prayer, she actually got what she asked for, but because she asked for a son to be a Levite, you know how long the Levites would serve for? About 50 years. And you know how long Samuel would live for? 50 years. So the rabbis warn us, she got what she asked for. However, in her prayer, because she limited it to being a Levite, she shortened his life. So the rabbis always warn us, be careful how you even pray. And that may God give us the wisdom, carefulness, and focus to ensure that our prayers are always focused not on him, but not just on what we want either. So before we open up the scriptures, let me pray. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King. We're going to mention you much as our King today, Lord. And Father, we ask that you would um, be with us today. You would be with the Jewish people too, Lord. We know there's a lot of strife in that area of the world. The whole world focuses in on this little nation and a city on top of a hill and a place where you would reign as king in the temple, Lord, and everything seems to be focused right on there this morning. We pray for peace over there, Lord, between the Israelis, the Arabs, and the Palestinians, and all the nations that are watching all over the world. Uh, Lord, um, we have uh, staff at Chosen People in Ramon Gan, where there was a rocket that got through and literally Um, exploded in the streets. We pray for those lives that were lost in the Gaza Strip too, Lord, because war is ugly. There's no winners usually. And we're going to find that out. So, Lord, pray for them. We pray for the United States, Lord, during this time. We're still dealing with the after effects of COVID-19 and so is the world. And, Lord, I pray for this church that we would continue to be the church on the hill that would be a light to the city and that everyone would stream here who would want the answers to their prayers to God. And we pray that in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Okay, so this message is a three-point message. Most of my messages are three points, and that's how I was trained. I saw last week, you know, you notice Rick always, a lot of time does three-point messages too, you know, because it's kind of a th- rhythm. I think in comedy there's a rhythm of how you tell jokes. 
when you're preaching, it's always good to remember three. So you can look at the screen. And the first point is the elders of Israel had seen what the Lord would be, yet they rejected the Lord as king. The elders had read what the Lord would do, yet they replaced the Lord as their king. And then finally, the elders had heard what the Lord would want, yet they refused the Lord as king. So you get kind of the theme there. And we're going to see the first point. The elders had seen what the Lord will be, yet they would reject him as king. And if you look at the slides above and also in your scriptures, we're going to read the first seven verses of 1 Samuel. And beginning in verse 1. And I believe... um, Josh, I gave you the ESV version, so that's what we're reading out of this morning. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second son, Abihah, and they were judges on Beersheba, which is a little south of Jerusalem. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel, Shemuel, at Ramah, which is modern-day Ramallah, which is a little bit north of Jerusalem. And he said to them, and they said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. And the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the Lord of the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And I'm going to ask that you just hold on this slide. The elders had seen what the Lord would be, but they rejected him from being king. 1 Samuel 8 marks a significant transition in Israel's history. Israel was first ruled, really, by Moses and Joshua. They were the first to rule Israel. And then about 1350, I use the late date of Exodus... From 1350 to 1000 BC, they were ruled by 12 judges, which you can all read about in the book of Judges. And then Eli, which we see in 1 Samuel, and then Samuel. He will be the last judge of Israel. However, Israel rejected Samuel's sons from judging over them and demanded a king, making Samuel the last judge of Israel. Israel's request for a king displeased Samuel very much. But the Hebrew there, literally, he wasn't displeased. He considered it evil that they had asked for a king. And he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord instructed Samuel to obey the people because they weren't rejecting Samuel. They were rejecting the Lord as being their kings. God's words reveal that the primary problem was Israel not Samuel. And the elders 
gave several reasons why they asked for this king in the text that we had just read. One, Samuel is near the end of his career. He's old. Two, Samuel's sons did not have godly character. They didn't want them as judges. Three, a king could be more of a permanent judge so they wouldn't have to go through having all these different judges all the time. A king could last for a long, long time. Fourth, all the surrounding nations had a king and they wanted to have one just like the other nations. And finally, a king would effectively lead them in battle. Okay? But the elders should have seen that the Lord was king. Now you might ask, how, how would they have seen that? Well, tonight actually is the start of a very, very, very important Jewish holiday called Shavuos. Anybody here ever heard of Shavuos? One did, but all of you actually have heard of it, but you use the Greek version and the English version name of Shavuos. We call it Pentecost. Tonight starts Shavuos, and it's the anniversary of when God meets the Jewish people at Mount Sinai and gives them the Ten Commandments. Tonight. That actually happened. Imagine that. This is the anniversary of that. Now, what is so significant about that? In Genesis chapter 19, verse 4, you yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom. God is a king, the people are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. That was the Lord speaking to Moses. Moses now goes back to the people. And he called all the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded. And then all the people answered together, all together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. The elders were present back then and said, we will do it, accept it. Now, when you start to study Gen um, Exodus chapter 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, and 24... It's actually set up as what the commentators and the Jewish rabbis understand is called the Sumerian Vassal Treaty. Now, you're all probably familiar with that, correct? It's a treaty that a king would sign with his subjects back at the time of Israel. And there would be a preamble and then there would be understanding of how this relationship between the kings and his servants would exist and many people believe that the Ten Commandments and all of the commandments of Israel and this whole story where the Jewish people meet their God on Mount Sinai is a contract, a covenant between a king and the people that are under him. So the elders had seen this in person and accepted it. They had seen that the Lord was their king. Remember, the elders in this story had just what? Rick preached on it last week. The Lord was fighting for them because he defeated the god Dagon. Very important. They had seen as well. 
So be careful what you ask for. They should have known that the Lord is their king. The elders a hundred a couple of hundred years ago knew that he was king. And the elders at the time of Samuel had seen that he is their king. And yet, yet they rejected the Lord as their king. Okay? Our story now goes to Dorothy. She knew she had it pretty good in Kansas. She had a loving family, but because of one event... Toto biting the neighbor, Miss Elmira Gouch, on the leg, leading her to attain a sheriff's order to have Toto destroyed. So Dorothy decides just because of one event doesn't go her way, she's going to run away with Toto and go somewhere over the rainbow. Okay? Do we have that picture? There she is, running. And how telling there's a tornado behind her because she's running away to where she thinks there's something better. (laughs) And we're going to find out that it wasn't that great. The elders decided just because they didn't like Samuel's sons as judges, just one event that they're going to ask for a king like all the other nations. In a sense, they were looking for something better Somewhere over the Jordan. (laughs) With skies of blue. And let's make this personal. Many of us, and I include myself, have seen what the Lord has done in your life. And yet, maybe one event happened in your life and you said, Lord, you know what? I don't understand and I don't like what happened. And... Some of us have even rejected the Lord's kingship. Not him being God, but kingship. Why? Because maybe one event that happened in your life. And there might be somebody here this morning. Maybe you're still holding on to the one event that happened in your life. And my mom, who passed away, her sister died of cancer at a very early age. And she always blamed the Lord on that one event for all of her troubles Afterwards, And it caused her from coming to know the Lord during her time. Okay? Don't let that be your path. Okay? Next point. Not only did the elders see that the Lord was their king, the elders had read what the Lord would do. Yet they will remove or replace the Lord as king. Once they reject the Lord as king, they will start going down a very troubled road. Like Dorothy, once she makes a decision to leave home, she goes somewhere over the rainbow and she lands in Oz and realizes, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. (laughs) And she starts going down a road called the Yellow Brick Road. She's thinking the road that would lead her back to Kansas that actually is going to lead her to much trouble. Okay? And we have another illustration on this. Anybody here ever see the, the, the movie Apollo 13? Okay? Well, that's a real event. Okay? And an oxygen tank tore off the side of the spacecraft and Jim Lovell up in space 
picks up the telephone and calls Houston, saying, Houston, we got a problem. (laughs) I would like to say, once they rejected the Lord as king, the elders picked up the phone and, hey, we got problems. Because it's not going to turn out like they asked. So let's keep reading in our scriptures today. And we're going to pick up uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 8. According to all the deeds that they had done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now, keep, keep verse 8 for a second. I want you to see that them rejecting God wasn't just a sudden event either. This has already been planted even right from the beginning when they accepted him as their king. They were always trying to go after other gods. Verse 9. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will, oh, we're going to stop right there. In verse uh, verse. Uh, 10. Okay. Um, Samuel said, because he knew that the elders should have read something, and actually there is a little code there that they actually had read a passage in the scriptures by saying, give us a king like all the other nations. It's actually a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter 17. Now, I'm not going to post that up, but I'm going to read it to you. Why? Because when the Jewish people had just been taken out of the land of Egypt and they're wandering for 40 years, Moses writes in Deuteronomy chapter 17 that the people will indeed ask for a king in the future. The elders probably saw this as a prophecy. That's something that they should have done. The Lord in this text is saying they should have seen it as a warning. Okay? And because the king that they're going to ask for is going to do two things. First, the king is going to acquire things and he's going to pervert justice. Okay? Let me just read a few verses from Deuteronomy chapter 17. When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, And you possess it and dwell in it. And then say, I will set over us a king like all the other nations that are around me. See, they use that exact phrase at the time of Samuel. That's why they were most likely reading this text. You may indeed set a king over you, the Lord will choose. But he must be from your own brethren. You must not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. In any case, he is not to acquire many horses for himself, nor shall he make the people return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, so that his heart be turned away, nor shall he greatly increase in silver and gold for himself. So God warned him, you're going to ask for a king, 
he's going to just start to acquire things, and that's not very godly. Okay? So God instructed Samuel to warn Israel of the ways of the king who would reign over them. And it's interesting. The Hebrew word for ways is mishpat. Can you guys say mishpat? Very good. I got to teach you Hebrew because that's what we're speaking in heaven. Right, Rick? (laughs) And mishpat is the word for judge or judgment. You're going to ask for a king to judge over us. And it's a play on words. You know why? Because God said in Deuteronomy chapter 17, yeah, that king is going to judge you, but he's going to bring judgment. See, they're thinking it's going to be good. In hindsight, it's actually going to be very bad for you. Okay? The second thing, now that we, if we go back to our text, the king is not only going to acquire, Samuel now says, now, watch the, this king, he's going to be taking things. And he said, these will be the ways, mishpat, of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and be his horsemen and run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifty and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and the vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourself, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. You get a theme in that text? Take, 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 take. Greed. You know what's interesting? You know why they rejected Samuel's sons? They were greedy and they perverted justice. And in an interesting way, Deuteronomy 17 and 1 Samuel 8 says the king you will appoint will be greedy and pervert justice. So they're going to actually replace those two with the one person who's going to be probably double of anything that Samuel's sons would have done. Be careful what you ask for. You just may get it. Now, the word for take is very interesting in Hebrew too. It's lakash. Okay? And I won't have you say that because you guys aren't used to saying the chasan, are you? It's lakash. And it's used many times in the verses that we read. This king will lakash. He will take your sons and your daughters, your produce, your servants, and even your flock. Okay? Yahweh, God, was there to serve the Israelites. This king, you will serve him. In a sense, you will be his slave. And what's interesting is he's asking for a tenth, a tenth, a tenth, a tenth. Not only 
Did the Israelites reject the Lord as their king, the king that they're going to appoint and replace the Lord with? He's going to set himself up as God. Why? Because he's going to take a tenth, a tenth, a tenth that goes to whom? God. But the king is going to take it. So they replace God as king and brought in their own. And again, not too good. You know? Dorothy. And she starts walking down this yellow brick road, realizes, oh, my life is not going to be good. She's in battle with the witch of the West who wants to take her life. They finally meet the Wizard of Oz, and he says, you know what? You go fight the witch. I don't want to do that, and I want you to acquire her broom. Right? And so, not probably what she expected and because of the choices she made guess where she ends up finally in prison as a slave let's look at where Dorothy ends up and you remember the scene where she's oh she realizes what's going on and she's looking into a crystal ball and there's her aunt them and she starts to cry but they can't hear her Okay, and in verse 18, the Lord says, after all these, this king will take, 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 listen to these words, you will cry out on that day because of your king who you have chosen for yourself, but the Lord will not answer you on that day. Be careful what you ask for. You just may get it. And again, I'm going to make this about ourselves, too, because we have to make it applicable. How many of you have read things in the Bible? How many of you has asked things from the Lord, and he didn't give it to you the way that you wanted? And we have to be careful to, when God doesn't quite answer us in the way that we want, not to replace him. Because sometimes we can be cynical. We can be critical. We can get angry. We can walk away. And I don't want any of us to do that. Maybe as we said before, there's one instance that happened. Don't let that one instance let you not only reject the Lord, but replace him with other things that you're going to find out are not going to fulfill anything that the Lord can do in your life. Okay? So it's a warning to all of us. Don't be critical. Just because things don't go your way, the Lord has a plan and we're going to see it. And that's very important in this story. Okay, now the third point. The elders had seen what the Lord would be. The elders had read what the Lord would be. And now finally the elders had heard what the Lord will want. Yet they will refuse him as king. Uh, We're going to begin reading in verse 19. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, who is acting actually as the voice of God in this story today. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us. That we also may be like all the other nations. 
and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. I want you to just keep on this verse because, again, it's interesting, a a, a couple of things here. But, again, because I like looking at the Jewish scriptures in Hebrew, there's three things that are going on here. The Lord is going to rule. The Lord is going to judge. I mean, I'm sorry, this king is going to rule. He's going to judge and he's going to fight. The Hebrew word for rule is mashal. And it means to really have dominion, but it really means to have power. Total dominion over you. The Hebrew word for judge, as we saw, is mishpat. Yeah, you might think it's as a judge, but the Hebrew suggests that it's also used as punishment, condemnation, and in some cases, execution. And then finally, the idea of fighting, the king will fight, lacham. Yes, it means to do battle, but again, in the extreme cases, it actually means to devour, to eat. The king that they should have had, the Lord, would be a righteous judge, would really fight for them and rule over them with righteousness, is going to be replaced with the king who will have complete power, will condemn them and execute them and devour them. That's the king that they asked for. Now, there's a couple of things that we should notice here in this text, which now shows you the attitude. Once you make a decision to reject the Lord and then you replace him, you're totally going to refuse him and actually go into rebellion. Okay? Because remember they asked first, we want a king like all the other nations have. Okay? Well, this text, if you notice in verse 20, right? Go, can you just go back one verse to 19? It says, no. But there shall be a king over us, now to verse 20, that we also may be like all the other nations. See the switch there? They don't want to have a king like the other nations. Now they want a king so that they can be like the other nations. Big mistake. And then finally, we see in verse 20, they wanted a king that was just be a judge over them, but no. Now they expand it. We want a king to rule over us, to judge us, and to fight all of our battles. Complete rebellion against everything that the Lord had set up. And they should have known better. Okay? What I call the yellow brick road of destruction. Okay? Israel already had a king. They already had a judge. They already had somebody who was going to fight for them. Remember what Rick preached on last week. The Lord told them, don't use the Ark of the Covenant as a prop. Because that's where the Lord would dwell. But the Lord had a plan because when the Ark was taken in possession of the Philistines, we have a battle between our king and their king, right? Dagon. And it didn't go very well for Dagon, did it? He lost his hands and his feet. He just has a body. And that should have been right there, front and center for the Jewish people. But 
They ask for a king like all the other nations. And finally, we want to be like them. Okay? And guess what God does? He grants them their wish. Next verse. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. You notice he said, make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. So we're going to sneak into chapter 9 to see the king that they had made. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zerah, son of Bechoroth, son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a man of wealth. You get all those names? (laughs) And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than Saul. From his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the people. So here's the king that they got. A Benjamite, really good looking, who was really big, And they thought he's the answer because he looks like the kings of all the other nations. Okay? But they refused to listen to Samuel. And they should have. You know? Because they said, no. Samuel, we're not going to listen to you. You give us a king like we want. And they got him. And his name was Saul. Okay? Now, as we get back to our story with Dorothy, she got exactly what she wanted. I don't want to be in Kansas anymore. And she thought, and she was told, oh, if you go to the great wizard of Oz, who's great and powerful, he can do anything for you. He can even get you back home, right? And then they go meet him. And it's funny because I didn't notice it until I was doing some research for this. He does show up as a giant head over here. He did at one point show himself as a beautiful fairy. He had another time he was a horrible monster. He was a ball of fire. And then when they were all together, he was just a disembodied voice. He turns out to be judgmental, overbearing... He turns out really not to really be on her side at all. She trusted in the wrong king, right? And then the curtain was opened by little Toto, right? He opens the curtain and he yells out, Don't pay attention to that man over there in the curtain. And you know what Dorothy found out? (laughs) The great and powerful Oz was neither great nor neither powerful. And guess what about Saul? He was not great and he wasn't powerful because, Rick, I don't know what you're going to be. I would imagine you're going to do some transition between Saul and to King David. So you'll find out what type of person Saul ended up being. Okay? And, you know, again, you know, how many of us have told the Lord, no, I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to be my own king. I'm going to do things I want done in my life. I don't trust you anymore. I don't want you. And I can do a better job than you. Well, 
I already gave you a warning. I'm going to give you some advice. You're not great and you're not powerful. <laughs> you can't do what God can do. Yes, sometimes we do go down a road that might get us into trouble. And you know what is amazing? God, though, never lets go. He is always there. God is still always in this story. Even though the Jewish people rejected him, even though the Jewish elders replaced him, even though they refused to listen to him, guess what? God was still there. You know why? Because God always has a plan. And they didn't know that. But they should have. Next slide. Because in the conclusion, remember, listen to how indignant they are. Now, appoint for us a king. Give us a king. No, but there shall be a king. They're not only asking for something, they're demanding it. Okay? And what the Israelites didn't know, God had a plan, and yet they did not fully understand it. But God always has a plan, okay? Their plans. We want to be like all the other nations. God's plan that he certified and sanctified, let's see, for 2021, they're in front of God tonight, tomorrow, the anniversary of them making God in a sense, establishing a kingship between Israel and God, 1450 B.C. That event happened about 3,500 years ago when he said, you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a chosen people. What the people didn't know is that the Lord had a plan for a king, but it wasn't going to be a king that was going to fight all their battles or whatever physically. We needed a king to fight our battles Spiritually. Why? Because you know who our greatest enemy is? Satan. And what they didn't realize is God had established a kingship through the Jewish people. And in Genesis chapter 49, you know what tribe was supposed to be the king of Israel? Anybody know? Can you know what tribe? Nope, the line of Judah. Genesis chapter 49. What was Saul? Was he, a Jew? was he from the line of Judah? No, he was a Benjamite. Okay? He looked like central casting. But God had a different type of person. And guess who it was? King David, who was not the first, not big, not good looking. Yet that's who God picked. But... Here's what the Jewish people didn't realize. They had to wait. Okay? And we have to go to the book of Ruth. Ruth was a woman who married. She was a Moabite. But through circumstances in Judaism, you can marry somebody, a kinsman redeemer. And we see that in the book of Ruth. And she ends up marrying Boaz. Okay? And then she got pregnant. And Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, says this on the announcement that she's pregnant. May your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. 
Now that's a pretty weird thing to say to something. May your baby be like Perez in the house of Judah. Now you know who Perez was? In Judaism we call it a mamzer. He was an illegitimate child. You know why? Because Judah, who was supposed to be the first king of Israel, you know what he did? He slept with his daughter-in-law. Well, she kind of enticed him to sleep with her. And they produced a baby. And his name was Perez. And here's what the scripture says. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law in Leviticus. But there's a consequence when you do that. In Deuteronomy 23.2. No one born of a forbidden union may enter the assembly of the Lord even to the tenth generation. So I'm going to count for you because at the book of Ruth, you know what it gives us? A genealogy. It's very interesting. We go from Judah, Perez, Hezron, Ram, Amidab, Nishan, Solomon, Boaz, Oded, Jesse. Oh, Jesse was the tenth in that line. Guess who the eleventh was? King David. Had to wait ten generations because of what Judah did to his line. That's why the Lord waited ten generations to bring forth the king. And he knew it was going to be King David. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So God always has a plan. And he does. Okay. And then finally. Okay. Dorothy had a plan. She didn't know it though, did she? Because what all did Dorothy have to do to get home? Come on, before I show it on the screen. (laughs) She could click her heels twice. She always had the ability to go. And all she had to do was have faith. You know? The elders, they had a king. They just have to have faith. All of us. We always have a way of going home. You know how? Have faith in Jesus. Our king. So, to make it personal, again... Next slide. Do not reject Jesus as your king. Do not replace him and do not refuse him. Okay, why? Because God has a plan and let me just finish up on this. Okay. Next slide. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. See, God had a plan. The New Testament is the fulfillment of that plan because eventually... You know the king that we were going to have? wasn't David and it wasn't anybody else. It was King Yeshua. Okay? Now, in Judaism, at the end of the service, we have a prayer. Okay? Because we welcome the fact that Jesus came and did what he had to do, right? He died. We discussed this at Passover. He died for our sins so that we could come back home to God. Amen? Can you say amen again? Amen. Amen. And we're looking for his return, aren't we? And he's not coming as a suffering servant, is he? What's he going to come as? The Lion of Judah. Right. And we have a prayer in the service of Judaism, which I'm going to sing to you because it's beautiful. At the end of the service, we sing Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. And here's what we chant. 
And can we all read the English of that prayer, please? And it is said, the Lord will be king over all the world. And on that day, the Lord will be one and his name will be one. See, the Jewish hope is that the Lord would reign as king in the future. Our hope is that he will reign as king in the future. Okay, and one last verse. Probably can't read it too well, but it's Revelation chapter 19, 11 through 16, and I'm going to highlight this. Why? Because when Jesus returns, he's coming on a white horse. And you know what the scripture says? Listen to this, because it's too small for, for you Well, maybe you can read it up there, but I highlighted some. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to judge. He's going to fight like he has an army and he's going to rule. The three things that they ask for for a king, guess what? Ultimately will be fulfilled in Yeshua when he comes back and reigns on earth. And you know what his name will be called? King of kings and Lord of lords. Can we say amen? Amen. I like amen. You know why? What does amen mean? Wrong. You think it means I agree. Do you know that amen is Hebrew? And it's an acronym. Okay? A-M-N in the Hebrew letters. Aleph, Mem, Nun. So can you guys say Al? Melech? Naaman. Al-Melech Naaman. And we take A-M-N, and guess what we get out of that? Amen. Can you say amen? amen? But amen doesn't mean I agree. You know what it means in Hebrew? Al-Melech Naaman. The Lord, our faithful king. You're affirming not just God, but he's our king. Okay? So guess what? Dorothy always had a way to get back home through the red slippers. We have a way of getting back home through the blood of Yeshua, which is also red. And you know what? If you're here today and you've never accepted the kingship of Yeshua into your life, today, today you could say amen and make him the Lord of your life. And can we get a hearty and healthy Amen. Let me pray and then I'll ask Rick to close. Avino Malkeno, our Father and King, we thank you for this message. We ask your blessing. We ask that you would be with us today. I know that sometimes we go down the rocky road. We go down the <laughs> we go down our own yellow brick road, and yet, Lord, we can always come back to you. Thank you for this story today that shaped Israel. Because it's going to be a big, big time until the king does come back and fall. And we're still waiting for that time, Lord, but it will come. And we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to say amen to Jesus right today. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.